Welcome to the Holding Time Podcast. Here we discuss breastfeeding in all its complexity, the ups and downs, the challenges, the triumphs. Whether you're expectant, a new mother or simply interested, I hope you'll appreciate the incredible warrior women who are featured in this series. I mean, I had my daughter in January and I just wanted somebody to show me what to do because my little boy was born nine weeks early. So I didn't do very well with the breastfeeding with him. I tried, but they wouldn't allow me to wear nipple shields in the hospital. It wasn't policy. And then as soon as I came out, we tried nipple shields and he latched because he was only £2.7 when he was born. But by that point, I just wasn't making enough milk for him. So he was combination fed. But then at five and a half months, my milk just stopped. So as my little girl, I was determined that I knew she was going to come early and hopefully not as early as him, which he was a 36 weeker. It was just apparent that nobody had the time. They were just like, oh, but she's your second. Like, yes, she's my second that's not gone into a neonatal unit. Like, I can hold her. I can hold my little boy. So that was completely different. And three times I was told to lie down. She would latch on if I laid on my side, but I'd had an emergency C-section. And they just walked out the room with, and they put her on me. They didn't show me how to latch her on. They just got my breast, touched it, squeezed it, shoved the baby on and walked out the room and went, we'll leave you and just make a note that she's done 15 minutes or more. But I couldn't get up and I couldn't reach the buzzer to ask them to help me sit up. So I was just laid there, petrified that I was going to fall asleep with this tiny, I mean, she was only four pounds when she was born. Like, I couldn't even press the buzzer to say, can you help me sit up again, please? So I had to wait, like, hours for them to come back in and go, are you still lying down? I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't move. I think it's only when you have a child that you understand, you know, how enormous it is physically. Like the equivalent of having open heart surgery, literally. And the amount of support there is for you afterwards is so minimal. Even in terms of pain relief, breastfeeding support, it's extraordinary. I mean, there's a really chronic lack of breastfeeding expertise available to new mothers in the NHS. Every single mother needs access to a lactation consultant. In Australia, that's what they have. They have a lactation consultant. Also, it's the number of midwives is to do with how much time midwives have. They don't have any time at all. I've interviewed midwives about this and I've interviewed researchers about this. And it's basically all known. Everybody knows. Everybody in health knows. And it's just continuing and continuing. And I suppose that's why I started interviewing mothers, because I realized it wasn't enough to just take beautiful pictures of women breastfeeding and try and inspire mothers When I was photographing mothers, I was having these conversations and I just felt this needs to be captured as well because it's great. Yeah, if I was to photograph you, it would be lovely to photograph you and your daughter and make a beautiful picture. But it doesn't tell the whole story because what's behind that? If women see that and think, well, yeah, but that was fine for her because she didn't have my experience of having, you know, an underweight, tiny baby, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really important for me that I put that information in I just thought even going into it the second time around I thought she's not as early she's bigger it's going to be so much easier and oh my god it wasn't like 
I mean, I had home start. They're called Koala Northwest now, but they were home start in January. So I had them round nearly every day. I had them round the day I came home. They were with me for four hours and she still wouldn't latch on. And they were worried that she was sleeping for so long. And they were like, oh, just wake her up and give her express milk in a bottle, which I did. And it's just, it was so painful. And everyone kept saying, oh, but your latch is good. But it really hurts. Like, it's not, you keep telling me it's not supposed to hurt, but it is. So in the end, they were like, oh, try a nipple shield, which I did not want to do because I never got my son off it. And then we had a whole month in lockdown where she put one ounce on in an entire month. And I've never seen so many professionals in my life. And it was, they were just like, oh, it's the nipple shield. I was like, right, bin it. And she put on more weight in two weeks than she did in an entire month. But then we got Sarosh and oh my God, the pain. But you don't see any of that. All you see is, as you're saying, the lovely picture you know, oh, it's brilliant. It worked for that. And I've got friends who've gone, I can't believe you're still, you know, nearly 11 months later, you're still feeding that after everything you've been through. My husband's from Ireland and none of his family breastfeed their babies. Like our daughter is the youngest of 18 grandchildren. And there are five great grandchildren older than her. None of them were breastfed. And they're just like, are you still feeding her? Yeah, I am. But she's weaned now. No, no, she'll have a breast before a dinner and then she'll eat a full dinner and then she'll have two breasts after a dinner. Like, it's entirely up to her. Like, if I lived in Ireland, there's no way I would still be feeding <laughs> now. I wonder how much in Ireland it's to do with Catholicism. But, you know, the Pope recently told women at a baptism that they could breastfeed during the service. So the babies were all crying and they're all sort of three months old. And he was like just breastfeed if you need to, you know, just feed your babies if you need to. So even that kind of leadership makes a really big difference. But I think in Ireland, women's bodies, everything to do with like women's power, it, I don't know. So I went in five days before I had my daughter with preeclampsia and I asked for syringes. Um, I was due to have an elective just because of our previous experience. I wanted to take out as much risk away as possible never got my elective anyway because I felt really ill but I said can I have some syringes I want to express the colostrum no 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 that'll bring on labour well, that's not really a bad thing is it and is that true even I don't think it is I've never heard that before I've heard it quite a lot especially on like the local breastfeeding Facebook groups they'll all say don't express before 36 weeks oh uh, right right I um, suppose yeah well, I was 35 weeks going mm. to have a 36, 37 weeker anyway. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a bad thing to bring on labour, but nobody brought me any syringes and nobody came and showed me. And one of my friends is a Koala Northwest breastfeeding support workers. So I was like, she was sending me videos and links and things. And I just kept saying, can I have some syringes, please? Can I have some syringes? Nobody brought me syringes. I didn't have any milk to give her when she was born. But it's just language all the time. Like a couple of like, you know, when you go for your six week check, are you still breastfeeding? Yeah. Why the not you still? Going? When I went to my smear the other week, they said, uh, when was your last period? I said, oh, I haven't had one. I'm breastfeeding my daughter. Still. Wow. Yeah. And even if they're saying that because they're impressed, it's just not yeah. the right reaction, is it? It's language. It is language. Where do you feel most comfortable breastfeeding? Um, I never breastfed my son in public, not once. 
I don't think I would have done had COVID not happened with my daughter. Because I got to spend so much time at home with her and really get used to positions and managing and unclipping a bra and everything else, I have no problems breastfeeding her wherever I am. My mum, strangely, gets a bit annoyed at me. She was, I'm one of four. My two older siblings are 16 and 18 years older than me. So she didn't breastfeed my two older siblings, my two sisters, um, but she did breastfeed me and my brother. My eldest sister's got Down syndrome, so it was very much she was told she'll never breastfeed, don't even bother. She wasn't even allowed home until she was three months old. How damaging was that? Yeah, yeah. But even though she breastfed my brother and I, we live where we live, there's no road at the front of my house. So when I'm sat in my living room, breastfeeding, the breast is out, she'll be like, do you want to close the curtains? People over there don't want to sit in it. Because there's no road, our neighbours on the opposite are much closer. And I'm like, no. I'm not sure my cat. Why should I? My house. I'm feeding my daughter. If they don't like it, they don't need to look. When we would go to a coffee shop or anything, she would pick somewhere in the corner. She'd be like, oh, you can feed comfortably here. And I'm like, I can feed comfortably by the window over there, mum. She'd be like, no, no. It's just, I mean, she's 77 and she is poorly now. But she'd be like, we'll go in the corner. It'll be better for you. And I'm like, what bothers mum? And she'd just say, how long are you going to keep doing this for? And I'm like, until... Sasha says otherwise. Well, actually, probably the reason you're really comfortable is because you've become a master of doing it in a way that you, you know what you're doing. And a lot of the discomfort often is around the early stages, isn't it? It's like a baby's not latching well and you're kind of fiddling about. It's yeah. hard to do that discreetly. When she was on the nipple shield, I'd just be like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was just a nightmare. And I'm so annoyed at myself for not just binning it earlier. And she can do it now and it and I'm not I'm really not bothered. But I think COVID in a positive way has helped with that. That's just time of just sitting topless, you know, anywhere in my house, just walking around topless feeding her. You know, I never would have moved with my son, I would have sat still and fed him until he was finished. Whereas with her and having a toddler running around, I might, you know, making dinner, you know, sit playing with him while I'm feeding and he's he's brilliant, like my husband got a bit weirded out, but my little boy was like squeezing my breast and he was like, I'm helping mummy. And I went, yeah, I do well, you help it. And my husband's like, what the hell? And I'm like, don't make a deal out of it. I mean, he's got my breast pumps and put my breast pumps on him. And he's like, I'm making milk, mummy. And I'm like, yeah, can't make milk, love, you're a boy, but never mind. <laughs> How did you feel then walking around topless? Because I remember that experience when I'd just given birth of like realising that clothes didn't actually work with breastfeeding, you know, that... They were really in the way. And yeah. I just remember having a tiny baby and I was wearing a woolly hat and I had these enormous boobs <laughs> <laughs> and just like walking about the house like that, just thinking, what has happened to me? You know, <laughs> I was just like an open dressing gown, just didn't even tie it. I think I wouldn't have been like that had it not been for COVID. I think the fact that my husband was home because he was furloughed, it was just us four she was born on the 2nd of January and um, it would be like oh I don't want my friends to come around I just that means I've got to wash for her I've yeah the house look a bit tidier you know she's got to have a cute little outfit on for my friends to see her and they'll be holding her all the time and I don't want them holding her so when lockdown came I was just like oh, she can live in her pajamas and a vest all day I can live in a dressing gown and like you say pajama bottoms and nothing else and so 
you sort of think, what is the pretense that that we're all trying to maintain? You know, where does it come from, this idea of this Bonnie baby with you looking all like dolled up and perfect? And I think it comes from, personally, I think that's very much an image that we got from baby food companies in the 1950s, because that's what it brings to my mind is that type of image. Yeah, it's all to do with marketing. Yeah, and we're kind of trying to be that mother because we think that mother is in control. And the idea of the other kind of mother who is walking around with a woolly hat and jogging bottoms, she's probably not in control. And we're worried that somehow, I think it's quite deep, like we're worried that somehow we are not ourselves, that we've lost ourselves. But, but in to my mind, motherhood is actually a process of losing and then finding yourself that that's part of it, that that birth is part of this thing of letting go so completely and then afterwards coming into a new you. Thanks for listening. And thanks to everyone involved, our funders, Cheshire and Merseyside Women's Health and Maternity Programme, Arts Council England Lottery Awards for their support, along with all the amazing mothers and partners who have helped to make this project happen. You can find out more about the project by visiting holdingtime.org.